Welcome to Orpini. This is Sarah Tovabeth. We are in Parsha Shlach. And yesterday we spoke about leaning into the future, leaning into a miraculous future and pulling that future into your present rather than, um, rather than what we tend to do in life is we tend to lean into the past. That's what we call the addiction to anti-Semitism. We lean into the past and it becomes our, our, we color our we color our presence with our past. That's what we tend to do. That's not what we should do, but that's what we tend to do. We say, remember what they did, and, and, and they hated us, and they hated us, and they hated us, and they hated us, and they hated us. They hated us. So anytime anybody does anything, we color it. Let's say the past has a color of brown or black. The, color, the past, the Jewish past has a color of black. It also has a color of beautiful um, purple, of malchus, of, of the whole malchus of David and Mela. But we tend to remember, we say, oh, yeah, yeah, you read about it in books. But we tend to color, we tend to color our past as black. Jewish history is black because there was so much horrific pain and struggle and really, really enormous amount of, 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 of horribleness. I don't know what the proper word for it is. At the same time, that's from point of view of Das Pasif. From a lower perspective, Jewish history is one big black, horrible, terrible thing. Now, at the same time, from the point of view of Das Elian, from an upper perspective, a higher perspective, Jewish history is full, is purple. Kiddush Hashem. Yidin sanctifying the, light, the, the name of God. That's what Jewish history is. Oh, really? So what's the past Jewish history? Jewish people sanctifying the name of God. Jewish people living, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That's all of Jewish history. How did it happen? Oh, yeah through horrific suffering, no question. But how do we interpret the past? Because if we're going to, if we're going to look back and lean back into the past and put it into the, the, the present, then we want to color it with Jewish history is all Kiddush Hashem. What do we want to do now? Kiddush Hashem. What are we going to be doing in the future? Kiddush Hashem. What does that mean, Kiddush Hashem? Living the reality, which the Baal Shem have introduced of, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Nechot. So the fact that Jewish history is is full of Kiddush Hashem is good news, except that how much awful, horrible, horrific, unspeakable suffering went into that Kiddush Hashem. True. The question is like this. Our ancestors, what do we owe them? Do we owe them to do Kiddush Hashem in in a lively, vibrant way now? Or do we owe them to also suffer and struggle? With Kiddush Hashem and, 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 and live with horrificness. Which one do we owe them? What do our ancestors who gave their lives al Kiddush Hashem, everybody has ancestors who gave their lives al Kiddush Hashem, what do they want from us now? Do they want us to live Kiddush Hashem or do they want us to, God forbid, buy Kiddush Hashem? Next, that's the question. So, so when we live with the past and bring it to the, the present, which path are we taking, the black one or the purple one? That's one question. Um, and I'm not giving an answer. Everybody can decide for themselves. And then yesterday we talked about leaning into the future. Now, the future is Kiddush Hashem for sure, but the purple Kiddush Hashem, which is the beauty of every Jew living Shema Yisrael Hashem, Latino Hashem, and probably every, every person in the world living that reality. Okay, that's the future. So that's what we're pulling into the, the present. So in, in Parshish Lach, what, where we ended up was with the question of why Maishir Abenu sent 
spies or men to spy out the land of Israel, and then why Yehoshua sent them. And ostensibly, the simple explanation, which we're not going to deal with here, because we're going to go much deeper, is what do you mean? If you're going to go into a land, if you're going to go conquer a country, First, there's, there's a technique. The army first sends spies, and they spy out the land, and they know all the secrets, and they find out what the, other, what the enemy is planning, and, 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 and all the stuff, and um, how to get in most easily, and how to, how to surprise the enemy, and all this other stuff. Because, why? The enemy doesn't want you to take over their land. That's the standard thing. When you're coming into a land, the enemy doesn't want you. They feel like it's their land, and you shouldn't have it, and they're going to resist you. And they may even hate you. They may not like you, and they may hate you. This is standard warfare. If England is going to invade France, then the, the French people don't want the English people to take over their land, obviously. So you need to do all these military secret tactics to find out you know, all their secrets. Okay, good. So the Yidden came along and said, we want to send spies. That's what you do when you're going to invade a land. The only thing is, this is a whole other situation. Because, and we'll discuss this probably in, I don't think today, another day too. When they said, well, we need to know what's going to happen. Like, who was it? Oh, Rabbi Friedman said, somebody came to the Rebbe and, and said, well, what's going to be? And the Rebbe said, well, let's focus on what, what we're going to do here. Because the answer was obvious. What's going to be? Mashiach's going to come, and that's the end, and they all live happily ever after. We all know the last page in, of the book. We all read the last page. Question is, how, the, how we're getting to the last page. We all read the last page in the book. So the, the last page in the book about being in the desert, all of us there, we're in the desert with my Shervain, with Moses, and we... And we come to him and say, send spies. The last page in the book is what? Rashidana said, wait a minute. I already told you guys, hey guys, which part of this did you not know? God will fight your battle. You show up. You trust him. He will fight the battle for you and you will move into the land. You don't have to send spies. <laughs> Your father is the CEO of the com- of the company. You don't you don't have to fight your way in. You don't have to beg for a job in this company. You know, what would I have to do? Who can I call? Do you have any connections? I want to get a job in this company, and oh, it's so hard. And I heard that the boss doesn't want to. You know, he's so hard to approach. And please, who do you know? And can you protect me and all this to get a job in this country? Wait a minute, hey kid, isn't your father? Doesn't your father own this business? Oh yeah, I guess so. Then why are you begging for a job? It's yours. No, I never thought of that. Yeah, that's true. Right? So, wait a minute. Hey, guys, why are you sending spies to the land of Israel? Didn't your father, Abinashib Shemayim, God Almighty, say, it's your land? And I'm, you know, I'm going to take care of it? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know, but we need to send spies. It's the old addiction. We need to send spies. They're out to get us. They won't want to send. Okay. Right. So, so, but the question is like this. Maishu Rabbeinu is the one who said, hey, God, your father owns a company. You don't have to beg. Hey, Yidin, B'nai Yisrael, 
Hashem told you he's giving you the land. He's going to fight for you. You don't need spies. So why would he then agree to send spies? Okay. So now we're going to look into these words and see. The request of, of the, the Yidin to send spies was to, to spy out the land. So we will know exactly what we said, to do it the, reg- the regular way that everybody does it. But it's interesting that Misha Benu did not talk the same talk as them. They said, we want to send spies, Maragrim, Lachpur, spies to, to spy out the land. Misha Benu's speech, when he said, okay, we're going to send men to, he was, he sent men. They wanted spies. He sent men. He sent men for a different reason. And the reason is because they said, the Jewish people said, or the Yisrael said, the natural way is um, well, everything we just said. This is the way every nation has to do it. And Hashem was saying, and sorry, Maishu Ben was saying, I told you that God is giving you the land. As he said, Let's send these spies and they'll spy out the land. And Maishu Ben said, Hashem elokeichem ha'haylech lishmechem hu yelachem lachem. God, your God, your kevavke, right? God who, when he, as he manifests himself in a miraculous way, and then also in nature, individual to each of you, user-friendly on your level. Hashem elokeichem, he goes right at you. He's, he's going in front of you. He's walking in front of you every step, clearing the path, you know, getting rid of all the snakes and scorpions and, and, and doing all the things he needs. He's going in front of you. He will fight for you. He's going in front of you. You don't have to worry. There will be the fire at night to show you the way to go, and there will be the cloud during the day also to direct you. You're good. It's taken care of. This is not what every other nation goes through. Don't use, don't try to use the tools of a nation that, of people that have to do a different thing. You know, Lahavda was like, um, why are you taking, you know, at once upon a time I was a plumber and then I became a professor of mathematics. So if I get up and I'm getting in my car and going to work, they say, well, where are you going? I'm going to teach, teach math to the students. Say, well, why are you taking your bag of plumbing tools? I mean, that's not what I always did. That's what everybody does. You're now a professor of math. You don't do plumbing anymore over there. <laughs> in the university, they don't need your plumbing tools. That's it. Get used to a new reality. So, so you're not a plumber. You're a professor of mathematics. So I'll here, I'm sure they saying, you're not one of the regular nations. And you're not conquering a land. Hashem is giving you this land, and it's yours. You don't need to come with plumbing tools. And there's no need to send these spies to figure out which is the best way to get in. You don't need to figure out which is the best way to get in. It's done. Taken care of. You know, um, Kana Reich, the language one, she, I remember she once was in Mohon Khanna, and she, um, She's working in the Shiva vacation. And I remember it was so amazing because 
she would be on the phone and she would be speaking to the people and the students who wanted to come. And she said, everything is taken care of. You just show up. You, you know, you just register and everything is involved in the registration. Everything is taken care of. The accommodations, the food, the this, the that. Everything is taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything. Just, just come. Just come. It felt, when she said that, I would hear it, it felt so grounding. You know, she's saying, it's all taken care of for you. You don't have, all you need to do is just come. Come to Crown Heights, come to the school, come to learn. It's all done. Come to the she vacation. It was amazing. So that's the same thing. Hashem said, you just show up. It's all taken care of. All expenses paid. We do the whole thing. You just register. It's all taken care of. And there, right? Now, contrast that with, which part of it's all taken care of? You paid for, you know, when you go on a very expensive cruise, you don't have to come start schlepping with the hard-boiled eggs and the pot and the burner. You paid many thousands of dollars for this cruise. You don't have to start boiling up hard-boiled eggs in your room. That's why you paid so much money. So, and you don't have to start snoring for places to sleep. That's why you, you're you on this trip. It's all taken care of. So here's this concept of measure being saying, guys, it's all taken care of. So the fact is that the sending of the Mirajan, by Yishchukasam, Maisha Retur, so it's the Aris, Reisim it's the Aris, Liras is Tiva Aris, Kunasam Alasa. What was, so why did Maisha Bidu agree to send these men then? Maishu Benu, they're in two different realities. Why is Maishu Benu agreeing to send these men? He didn't send spies. He sent men. They asked for spies. He didn't send spies. He sent men. They asked for spies to go and spy the land. He didn't send his men to spy the land. What were his words, Moses' words, Maishu Benu's words? Maishu Benu sent them to tour the land. Tour the land? Oh. You mean like tourists? A little. Tour whose land? You know, the land that's really yours? Oh. Oh, that's really different. So notice these two groups. One group, the B'nai Yisrael, they're, they're in this headspace. They're in this mindset of it's somebody else's land. They don't want us to take it. They don't want us in. They're enemies. Uh, they're against us. They hate us. All that other stuff. We have to send spies. We have to trick them. That was their mindset. And Maishu Rabbeinu's mindset was, wait a minute, God told me, it's your land. They, it will be given to you. You don't have to fight. It's a done deal. It's a fait accompli. Relax. Trust Hashem. Follow Hashem's instructions. Everything will work out. So why is he sending men? To where the land? Well, don't you want to see your land before you go in? In other words, he probably wouldn't have sent the men to begin with. Maybe yes, maybe no. But there was a request, so he sent them. Okay, guys, go tour the land. Now, who has time for these guys to go and tour the land? Why are they going to tour the, tour the land? To see the goodness of the land. Now, why do they need to see the goodness of the land? 
Okay, now imagine, you have this one group, we just said, all the Yidin have this mindset that it's bad and they hate it and, we, and, and, and it's a war and, and it's uh But what would be the point of sending these people to see the goodness of the land? So the answer is, um, and, and really gave them a certain homework. Look at the fruit. Look at the people. You know, look at what grows there. Look at the people. Look at their cities. See if their cities are, have walls or not. See what kind of people they are. Are they fearful? Are they afraid? Are they not afraid? Are they big? Are they small? What kind of fruit, fruit does the land produce? Big or small? Do they fortify their cities against enemies? What are these people doing? Go look at the land. That was their homework. Very different homework from what the, the Yidin wanted. The Yidin wanted to know, how do we get in there? They hate us. They'll never let us in. Measure being saying, no, 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 no. Go and do some research on the people in the land. Why? And go and look at the goodness of the land. Why? And the answer is, I'm sorry, and the words were, take the fruit and see what kind, you know, is, is, there, is, is, it, a, is it a very fertile land? Um, and also, um, just everything, all, all, all of those, those questions. Because it says, Rashi says, There are some lands that create giants, that grow giants. The land just grows giants. And there are some lands that grow weak people. Go and look. What kind of people does this land grow? So are they big? Are they small? Are they many? And their cities? Yes? No? Why would, they, why would you want to know if they have walls around their cities? Why would somebody have a wall around their city? There's a wall around your city when you're afraid of enemies attacking your city. It means you feel a little bit weak. So you need have walls around your city. What would it be? What does it tell you if somebody doesn't have walls around their cities? Well, either they're very masculine, so they're like, <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> or they're really not afraid. They're so not afraid. That they feel like, okay, let the enemies come, no problem, we'll, we'll, we'll knock them off in a minute. We're not afraid. That's what it means. If every country, wherever you go, people always have walls, you know, they would have the moat and the wall around the city, meaning a wall around the city means you're afraid of enemy invasion. You, the people who live in a city, are afraid. If you see a city that has no wall around it, it tells you that the people who live in that city are not afraid. Sure, let the enemy come. Yeah, I'll say to them, no problem. We'll deal with them. No wall around the city means the people in the city are fearless. Yes, wall around the city means the people are a little bit afraid. That was one of the other pieces of homework that was given to them. And all of this, the fruit, the walls, the city, the people, the size of the people and all that, would give us a sense of how good the land is. Is this a land that grows giants, fearless giants? Or is it a land that grows weak people? Because, again, imagine, they're going to see, they could see one of two things. 
the men who go into Eretz Canaan could see small, Canaan who were small, fearful, protecting themselves with walls against around their cities, with very poor fruit growing. They could see that. Or they could see medium kind of thing. Or they could see giant people. What did they see? They saw giant people, no walls around their cities, huge fruits, etc. What's the conclusion? The conclusion is supposed to be, oh, guess what? Giants, no walls around their cities, huge fruit. This place really grows fearless, giant people. Is this Eric Megadelski barn? This is the land that grows giants, born fearless, you know, brave people. Or is this Eric Megadelis Chalashim? Or is this a land that grows weak people? That was the question that Meishur Bing sent them with. What kind of a land are we? What kind of a land is ours? And what kind of land is this that we are going to be inheriting and settling? Is it a strong place or is it a weak place? Is it a place that makes people, that is a place of fearful people or fearless people? And also, this word, Vayasuru, when the, when the spies, these men went Vayasuru, to tour the land, Vayasuru also has the, is connected to the word Yisran, the Yasuru Yisran. The Yasur means go and tour the land, but also look for the Yisrun of the land. It's the same root. Said Hashem, I want you to see that this land is very different from all other lands. This is not, this is not France, England, Spain, uh, you know, Greece. This is not one of the lands. There are all the lands in the world. And then, Lahabdil, there's Eretz Yisrael. There's only one Eretz Akaidish. And this Eretz Akaidish is something complete. This is not Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is the template for all the lands in the world. All the Gullah lands in the world. Eretz Yisrael is the template for Eretz Akaidish. It's something completely different. So, Maishur Bain said, let's go in and tour the Yisrael and come out seeing the Yisrael of this land. Hashem wanted that they should see the, the advantage, the difference between this land and every other land in the world. Let's see the difference between the world and Eretz Yisrael. Let's see that. It, so essentially the Yidden are saying, in the way of the world, you have to send spies because when you conquer a land, Meishu Bain is saying, we're not conquering a land. This is not a land, like all the lands. This is Erika Kaidish. It's a different category of place. You don't deal with, you know what I'm saying? When, 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 when you're approaching Malchus, you don't deal with it in the same way you know, um, when somebody would come to the Rebbe for dollars and for brachas, they were like, hey, yo, man, what's doing, man? You know, <laughs> that's not, hey, you want to go, hey, you want to go out tonight for sushi? It's a, di- it's a different 
type of encounter. You're dealing with Malchus. This is not your best buddy. It's a different thing. So, and this shlichus that Meisher Beinu said, you see, so what the people wanted was a completely different thing from what Meisher Beinu. Their kavana, their intent, and Meisher Beinu's intent were com- two completely different things. So Meisher Beinu said, yes, I'll send men. But his agenda was literally infinitely different from the agenda of what he didn't wanted. His agenda was, was it fulfilled? He sent them to see the goodness of the land. Did they get to do that? Says, says the Sikha, yes. It was done. They went to see the goodness of the land. And they Mission accomplished. They did what they were sent to do. They came back and they said like this. We went to see the land that you sent us to. And it's a land of honey, milk, um, olive oil, I guess, flowing, flowing with milk. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And these are its fruits. Boom. Meisher Benu said, good job, guys. I sent you to come back telling us the good news that it's a land flowing with milk and honey and these are its amazing fruits. And you did that. Very nice. Yashikayah. Good job. So what Meisher Benu wanted, they achieved. He sent to see the goodness of the land. Did see it. They came back and they reported. We saw the goodness of the land. Then they added a couple more sentences. <laughs> which propelled us into Gullahs for a few thousand years. But, you know, got to be careful with what you say, right? <laughs> because, um, says the Rebbe, they hadn't messed things up by adding a few extra words. We would be in Gaula. What did they say? What were these few extra words? They said, they said, like, forget it, guys. This, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and these are its fruits. And, and then the, the men, the Muraglam, said, there's no, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. It's, it's impossible. We, we, we can't conquer this land. Wait a minute. You guys did so well. You reported the good news. Why did you have to make that extra comment? Somebody asked you for your opinion. You were given homework to come back and report what you saw. Nobody asked you for your opinion. Your opinion came from a gullet place. Your opinion came from the place in yourself where your eyes saw things, your eyes saw the news and got completely diluted and completely distracted. And you came back and you're... In- Affecting everybody with your opinion that is based on nonsense. He said, oh, we'll never be able to do it. We'll never be able to go up to the land. And if they hadn't added sentence, that little bit, then all of the Yidden would have actually gone into the land immediately. That's how powerful it was. So, first of all, besides everything we see, we really, really want to be careful with our words because we add on our opinion, our little spin on things. And it's interesting when we say adding on our little spin. On the one hand, Hasidus has enabled the simple person, 
And even there, that brings up, you know, add your piece. So here, these men came along and added their piece. And in this generation, we've been given the directives and the kayas to add our piece, add our interpretation. We're not just machines, olive-based, dimmels, that we're in Tyra, and we explain it, and we explain it based on our experiences. And we're being empowered to explain everything we learn in Tyra according to our experiences. But that just shows you that when the Rebbe says, open your eyes, keep your eyes very, very, very holy and gaulidic, because when you look at the world with those eyes, you're going to interpret, there are many different ways you can interpret it. Based on your interpretation, you can either create big mess, God forbid, or an amazing gaula. You have power in how you look at the world and interpret it, even with while you're learning Torah. You want to be very, 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 very careful and very gaulidic. So this is what happens at the time of Meishardim. So we're saying that all of this that we said about the, the men that Meishner Bain sent. Now, 40 years later, and remember that 40 is a transition period, 40 days and 40 nights and 40 sun and mitzvah and 40, uh, you know, 40 years in the midbar. 40 is all, always the amount that denotes going from one level to another. You know, a, a, a big, normally otherwise it would be a huge mega jump. So it means... As it says in Torah, it was an 11-day journey from, from Har Sinai to the land of Israel. So it was taken 11 days. And it's the energy, the, the concept of 11, something that's so high, it's, it's, high it's, it's, it's higher than the world. But to go that 11-day journey, journey straight, we just weren't ready for it. We didn't have the vessels for it. And therefore, it took us 40 years. So 40 years is always that amount we, we're learning it also in Torah Chadash and Mishitete, that amount that when you're going to go from a lower level to a higher level, you go through 40. 40 days, 40 years, 40 minutes, 40 saw, 40 measures, 40, 40, 40. So 40 years after Maishu Rabbeinu sent his men for this, then Yeshua sent his men. The, Yeshua sent his men for a very different reason. He did not send them to see the goodness of the land. Why not? What do you mean? It was already done. Meishadenu's men were sent to see the goodness of the land, and they came back and reported on the goodness of the land, and then said a few more things. <laughs> it kind of messed everything up. But they were sent. They did what they were supposed to do. Mission accomplished. You didn't need to do it again. It was already done. Everybody heard about the goodness of the land. Now, what do you do 40 years later? Okay, everybody heard about the goodness of the land, but clearly we can say this. If you hear, imagine this, there you are, you're in the desert, all of us together, and these people come back and say, well, we were sent by our leader, the, the Nathiador, to the land, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and look at these giant fruits. Why would we cry? We should dance. What's to cry about? That's an amazing parallel to today. What's to cry about? 
if you have a gullet addiction, a slave slavery addiction from being in, in the tribe in Egypt as a slave for a couple of hundred years, you still didn't get the, the slavery addiction out of your system. You're still subconsciously addicted to slavery. You know, you've got that chemical addiction, like, you know, the joke, you know, to the country, and, and I started to feel faint, so I went over to the exhaust pipe of a, a car, and I started to breathe in the carbon monoxide, and I felt better, you know, because I'm so used to breathing bad air in the city, God forbid. So if you have a slavery addiction, you're, you're, we're all wandering in the desert. We left behind slavery, but we're still addicted. We still have it in our chemical composition. We're still chemically addicted. We're still emotionally addicted to slavery because that's all we've known plus plus for a couple of hundred years, being in the land of the trying together as slaves. It's still our most potent memory. And then we hear good news, like, wow, look at this place. Look at this land. And it's yours. And God's going to take you in there miraculously. He'll fight for you. And look how beautiful it is and look how amazing it is. Why are we not dancing? We're not ready for it. We're not ready to dance. It's just the contrast between our inner addiction to slavery, our inner being used to on a deep inner level, being used to addiction, the contrast between that and um, and the news that we hear and fit together. And we don't know what to do. So we start to cry. That's what we're ha- that is what is happening in New York right now. How is it that we went through holy weeks from Purim to Shavuos when everybody saw that everybody was talking about the beautiful new world order, a new heaven and new earth that's going to come out of this of this um, quarantine. And all and many of the speakers, Jewish and non Jewish spoke about it's going to, it is a new world, it's coming out to a new world, everything's going to be different, it's going to be a much more beautiful world. Nobody would have predicted this. I think probably the speakers who have those classes up on YouTube, maybe they took them down, they feel silly. People are going to say, nuts? Three weeks ago. Those speeches absolutely made sense. Now everybody's saying, uh, I don't know, I ever believed that things were going to get better. Look at, look at now. It's a huge test for the world. It's a massive test for the world. When we, it's like when we heard good news, we're going to be facing a new world order. And we are told, everybody was saying it. Almost like, People, but the slave addiction, and everybody said, no, nah, it can't be. It's got to be something bad in this thing. You know, we're slaves, we're slaves, all that other stuff. And, and, like, we, we had to find a reason to cry. So, that addiction to, to being a victim, which we saw when the spies came back, measured in spies came back. That addiction to be a, being a victim had to be, uh, what's the word? Uh, had to, we, we had to shed that addiction. We had to be deprogrammed. And of, of that victim mentality, that slave mentality that didn't let us 
understand when we heard that it's a good land that we're going to. We had to be deprogrammed, and the deprogramming took 40 years. So number one, we were deprogrammed with time. Time passed. Number two, the 40-year transition provides an opportunity for us to let go of the old and move into the new. It's an energy of 40. 40, the flood that happened, you know, Noah, Noah, Noah's flood, was 40 days and 40 nights. It cleansed the world of its old way so that a new world could emerge. So the world was, we needed 40 years to be cleansed of our victim-slave mentality before we could go into the land of Israel. And by the way, then, I think we should look at a calendar and look at, count how many days it is from Shavuos, the day of Mount Torah. Ah! Oops. Oh, sorry. Hi, sir. Somebody came to drop off some passages. No, no, no. Thank you so much, sir. Um, we need to get a calendar and count how many days, what day, well, what, oh, my goodness, of course. How, what, what is 40 days after Shavuos? Okay, so if this whole chaos in the streets of the world started on, at the moment of modern Torah in Shavuos, and 40 days later, you count, look at the calendar, right? It's the 17th of Thomas, when the Luchas were broken. It's, it, it's no, it, it is the beginning of the Gullah. And really, Hasidus says, it was supposed to be the beginning of the Geula. But the world wasn't ready. So, please God, you know, we can look forward to 40 days later, 40 days from, you know, the 17th of Thomas. Which way are we going to play it this year? Which way are we going to play our cards? Because about the 17th, 17th of Thomas, when we received the Torah, we heard it. But there's a big difference between hearing it and having it tangibly in your hands in a physical form in tablets, stone tablets, you know, written, engraved form. Hearing is one thing. But seeing and having it engraved in those tablets is then engraved in the system. That's a whole other level. It's brought down into the world. It's not just hearing about it. And that's why the 17th of Thomas was supposed to be, was supposed to be a day of Geula. But we weren't ready for it. So it ended up as a day of destruction, of Corbin. Of the beginning of the whole Gullah. What will it be this year? What will it be this year? We have the ability to make it into what it was designed to be. Sartova, yes. sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but I, I made a mistake. It was, it was Tisha B'Av, I think. Sure? I, I'm a little confused because no, well, I know the golden let's, let's calf count. was created on Shavasa Batamos, but the well, spies report was given on Tisha B'Av. No, we didn't, all we have to do is count. Uh, all we have to do is count. So somebody could count. One second. From the 6th of Sivan to the 6th of Tamos is 30. And right. then add on another so that time. is, it is 40 yes, days, 40. but when the spies yes, actually gave their report right. was on Tisha B'Av. That's a different thing. Oh, okay. That's a different thing. Sorry. I'm saying, but, right. So it's a different thing, but 40 days is 
till the 17th of Tammuz when we did the golden calf. We said, you know, we received the Torah on Shavuos and then we just, we weren't ready for it. We just, we lost it. This year we have an opportunity to do it right and to bring it to what it was really created for. So now why are we saying all of this? Because 40 years after Meishur Benu gave us this good news, by sending the man to come back and say, this is a land, this is our land, our land is flowing with milk and honey. Forty years after that, forty years after that, the spies of Yeshua were not sent to see the goodness of the land, because that one was already done forty years before. So what were they sent for? Why send spies again? And the reason the spies were sent again is now to see how to conquer the land. Because now the conquering of the land through Yahshua was um, was not on the higher level. It was going to be a natural conquering. It was going to be within the rules of nature. It wasn't going to be you go there and God fights the wars and he takes care of it and it's all miraculous. We weren't ready for that. We were offered that opportunity. We said no. Too too heavenly for us. It's too too intense for us. It's too good. What do we do with our slavery and our victim our victim mentality and our victim victim addiction? What do we do about that? Right? Look at the streets today. What do we do about in our history of being slaves and we were slaves and we were slaves? We have the same question. Their question is our question. The, the, the world is talking about, you know, we're the slaves, 400 years of slavery. 400 years of slavery? Tumor and Taiva. We've got 3,000 years of slavery. More. 3,000 or 3,300, 3,400 years. 3,000 plus a few other. We have to do the question. How many years? I think, it's, I think this year is 3,333 years or something like that. Since, since we have to do a, a calculation. Um, subtract, mm, what, what year are we in? 5780 minus 2448. Okay, so 5780 minus 2448. Whoever can do the math, I can't do it now. That's the number of years it is. It's 3,000 and it's 3,000 and some years. Um, well, we've been slaves. <laughs> okay? So they're like, oh, we were slaves for 400 years. Well, we were slaves for, uh, we've been slaves for, uh, almost three and a half thousand years. You know, so, so the issue on the table is, we've got this slave mentality. We've got this, we've got this slave mentality. What do we do about it? Maybe if enough people bow to us, that'll heal us. No, it's not going to heal you. It's not going to heal you. It's not going to heal us. It's not going to heal. No slave is healed by somebody else, by his master Ballington. That's not what it is. It's an internal addiction. There needs to be a spiritual process that there needs to be a spiritual purification that only Yaakov Avinu can lead the world in. The slaves have to leave the slaves and get rid of the slave addiction. Maybe the streets now are screaming about the slavery and the slavery and the slavery because it's not their issue, it's our issue. Our, the slave victim thing that we can't forget, Meisher Bain said, enough, you forget your slave victim thing, so we move on to the Ula. 
Can you be rightful inheritors of goodness? Ah, we were slaves. Enough. Got it. We heard about it already. Now is the time to step into a new world order. We finished with the slavery thing. How much can you milk it? How much can you milk the slavery thing? That's what Hashem is saying to us. How long can we as Gideon milk our slavery addiction, our victim addiction? See, I knew it. They closed the park. That's because they hate us. They increase the taxes. That's because they hate us. They, you name it. You know what I mean? They, they, they did and that and that. They, they changed the parking regulations. That's because they hate us. They gave us a ticket when we were driving too fast. That's because they hate us. They stopped us on the highway because one of our rear lights on our car wasn't working. That's because they hate us. Enough. Give it up. Everything is because they hate us. Can you take some responsibility? Maybe you were supposed to follow the rule and make sure you two rear lights on your car when you're driving on the highway. You ever think that? You ever think that there's a reason that anybody gives you consequences other than because they hate you? If seriously, if all day long you're thinking anybody who comes and imposes consequences, that's because they hate us. you got a serious slave addiction. You need to go for some serious therapy. And it's a collective issue. It's a collective issue. Yeah, I tried to return my boots to Macy's, and they said, it's too late. I, I turned them yesterday was the deadline. Yeah, that's because they hate us. No, enough. What, like, you're not embarrassed to show your slavery addiction on, on, on like, you're not embarrassed. Give it up. So in order to get out of our slavery addiction, it takes the energy of 40. And after the 40, Yeshua came along and he let his spirit flow. But now, he's saying, you guys with your slavery addiction, it's not going to work, you know, going in the miraculous way. You just keep fighting it. You keep sabotaging it. So we're going to do it for a way. And we're going we're, we're gonna to work with all this stuff and with slavery addiction and victim mentality and all this other stuff. And we're, we're going to do it in a natural way. We'll, we'll get it done. But it's going to be with a very different way. Besides the energy of, of for, disconnecting us from that huge addiction. So we need it now to depend on doing it the natural way. Even though, that's in the footnote, even though the conquering of Yericha which was the gateway to the land of Israel, was in a miraculous way, still, in the time of Yoshua. Because the Kohanim um, came, circled the city with the iron of brick, and they blew the shaker, and the walls came tumbling down. It was still miraculous, in spite of the fact that, in spite of the fact that we weren't, we couldn't deal with this beautiful, miraculous way. We still got miracles. We still got the original promise fulfilled. God said, you go to the land, show up, I'll fight for you. And even though this is called second plan B, plan B is, you know, we'll do it the natural way. That's a natural way. You ever <laughs> so how do you guys win the war? What do you mean? The natural way, the way every country wins a war. Yeah, like what? Well, like we stood outside the walls of the the, key, the 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 entrance to the land, and the Kohanim circle, encircled, and they were holding the Aaron of Bris. They were carrying the Aaron, 
and they blew ciphers, and then the walls fell down, and we went in. Isn't that the regular way that every army gets into an invading land? Uh, no, not exactly. Oh, seriously? I don't know. I thought that's what everybody does. So even what's called natural conquering of the land for us is totally miraculous. So this was, imagine, this was plan B, the natural way. Only the Kahan and blow Schieffer and then the walls come down. But essentially, we had to prepare for this natural way, the way it worked with all non-Jewish armies, the way they do war. So, um, and one other thing, even though the, the sending of Yeshua, of the spies, lo hayabikorigo, but that's a dachim, have a name. It was still also, even, even Yeshua, he didn't just say, okay, now we're just going to do it the way all, all the other nations do it. But he didn't just send them, really, he didn't send them to just know, okay, how do we get into the land? Because they don't want us in. But it was Me'en Vedugma Bilvaz. He really sent them to kind of be Yoti, a little drop of, let's kind of play the game of regular armies that try to figure out the best tactics to get into the land. But really, what it was, it was still miraculous. Any connection between us and, and Eretz Yisrael, which is our land, is always going to be miraculous. And that's why Yeshua really said, Go and see the land and Yerichah. Same thing as my Shirdini. Go in and see the goodness of the land. So it's not really that Yeshua just had to do it the completely natural way. He really also sent us to see the goodness of the land, and he really brought us into the land also in a very, very miraculous way. It was just a few steps lower than the absolutely open, miraculous way that Meishervenu did it. So, inclusion in all of this. Okay, so we're going to say the conclusion is, is the following. We're going to say that since our Avaida, our mission is make Israel, make the land of Israel wherever you are. That means at any given moment, I'm standing in the space, but the next moment before me, the next, the next moment before me, okay. The next moment, be, moment before me is a moment that is meant to be uh, the land of Israel, a holy place. I'm, I'm going to step in. I, have, I kind of want to imagine that right in front of me, I throw down a hoop. You know, the next, the next, what's my next step in life? So I have this hoop that I keep in my pocket, and every step I take the hoop and I throw it down. You remember those cartoons? With a, so I take this hoop and I throw it down right in front of me, and I go, and I create inside of that hoop, and the next step, I create Eretzisol, make this into the land of Israel, make it into a holy, holy place, a holy moment, and then step into it, step into that space. So what have I done? I've just walked, I've just entered the land of Israel. At every moment, what am I doing? I am going from outside of Israel into the land of Israel. Because every moment, my job is 
make this place into the land of Israel. Even if I'm living in Israel, there's still a, 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 a mission of make the land of Israel inside. It's not like only we who live here have that mission. They do too. We do too even when we're there. It's, it's, a, it's a higher level mission. So that means every second I'm going from a desert, a virtual desert, so to speak, to a space which I'm creating into the land of Israel. So every single moment I am facing this challenge. Every single moment I'm facing this challenge. I'm coming from my slave mentality. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As they say, I'm coming from my slave mentality. You know, oh, why is it so hard and all of that stuff. I'm coming from my slave mentality. I'm wandering in this desert of the world, and I'm just trying to cope. And I'm entering every moment. I'm entering, hopefully, my job is to enter that the next moment, the next step, and make it into the places of, of the land of Israel. So I'm always doing exactly what this parsha is about. I'm always dealing with that. How am I going to get in there? And I have two choices. Do I do it the way that my Shurdenu had for us, which was, it's totally miraculous. That's one of my options. I can say, I don't even have to worry. God told me it is my, the land of Israel belongs to me. He's going to fight the wars. I just show up and I trust him fully. He will take care of it. That is open to me. That is available to me. And I have to just believe it is a good place and look at just the goodness of what's in front of me, not all the problems. Well, simple, but that's one option available to me. The other option available to me is the the way Yahushua had to take us, which is a more natural approach of, yeah, you know, we have to be more like a little bit similar to the way the nations of the world would do it. And you have to kind of, I have to make some of the, do some of the stuff myself. And even so, it's miraculous. And then the third option is not an option, which is to do it the way, the way of the world, which is I'm in charge of fighting all the battles because life is a big battle. And if I don't fight the battles myself, I'll never get anywhere. That one isn't really an option for us. It doesn't, it's completely doesn't, it's not really an option that we steal that option from other people and it's not really one of the options that open to us. We can either do it the Moses way or the Yeshua way. Not, not the other, not the other way. So that's our choice and even so they're both, they're both holy options. So what we want to think about is in this Karsha. How much am I willing to trust Hashem, to trust God, to know that He is fighting the wars for me? He is, He is preparing everything for me. I need to show up, be totally in sync with Him, and step into the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment, and make that place into the land of Israel. And with joy, as it, as it says, um, we would have, and we need to be prepared to, at every given moment, prepared to step into the land of Israel, the next, my next step in life, immediately, with great joy and great desire and really great enthusiasm. That is what we are being asked to do.
step into the next moment with great joy, fearless, fearless. That's what we're, the fear thing we're going to deal with tomorrow about how do we, what do we do about fear? That's a whole other issue. Um, but our job is to approach each and every moment as I'm here to make that place of theirs to throw. How do I do it? I also do it by stepping into that with great joy and great enthusiasm and desire to be in that place and the excitement of, wow, another little piece of theirs to throw of the land of Israel is being created by me. That's a huge merit. So may we find ourselves there already. Immediately now.